Hey everyone, this is Chris Franklin from the No Huddle Show podcast. The podcast that you're about to hear was recorded before the news regarding Lane Johnson came out. Johnson announced Thursday that he will be out for the remainder of the season due to issues pertaining to his ankle. At one point, Johnson said the inside of his ankle had collapsed. It was also reported this morning that Jason Peters would move from left tackle to right guard and Jordan Mailata would take his place. It is possible that Matt Pryor or Jack Driscoll will be moving over to play right tackle for Johnson. This is a very fluid situation along the offensive line. For the latest information, make sure to check out NJ.com. Now, here's a full version of the No Huddle Show podcast. Enjoy. Hey, Eagles fans. This is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on NJ.com slash Eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles' outlook Should they push for the playoffs or is a tank job in the works? When will or should Jalen Hurts make his first start? And we'll preview Eagles versus Seahawks. Plus, we'll have some additional information from our report on the inner workings of the Wentz-Peterson relationship. Chris, we're post-Thanksgiving. How you doing? Well, I think I went in pretty much at about the weight of a wide receiver, uh, tight end, bigger wide receiver. I think I fit, came out of eating all that food now, so I feel like a Mike linebacker slash edge rusher, maybe defensive tackle. Oh, it was so good yesterday, man. How are you? <laughs> How's your Thanksgiving? It was good. You know, it was uneventful. We called it a pajamas Thanksgiving because it was basically just us, the three of us in our pajamas. And instead of getting turkey, we we did some rotisserie chickens, but my wife made all like the sides. We uh, switched it up this year, had Velveeta mac and cheese as opposed to like a regular mac and cheese. Um, How was it? Well, sometimes you got to live a little. It was all right. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, I, you know, my wife there, I saw on Twitter, there was this big argument that you shouldn't put marshmallows on top of sweet potato uh, casserole, but my wife did it and I have no complaints. So um you, you know apples and yams you gotta go apples and yams and if in boston market has it is good for that one too but the apples and yams I'm telling you when you have those or sweet potatoes and yams when you have those together i'm telling you it's it's perfection man it's so good oh it's good so <laughs> <laughs> i have like this weird pet peeve where i can't stand when people describe food like it's the Uh-oh. it's it makes me like nauseous like is that weird yeah but but no no but everybody has their thing though so that's it's, there's no 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 judgment it's a judgment free yeah. zone here and so now everybody knows my weakness like my ultimate like gross out moment is if you've ever seen um, the movie Matilda when they're describing the kid eating the chocolate cake like I literally <laughs> had to leave the theater I was like and I was like nine or ten like it was just like the worst so now I'm sure I'll get peppered with like uh, gifts of uh the kid eating chocolate cake on twitter but whatever it was worth it (laughs) you know what sometimes you just got to be honest with your audience anyway this is an eagles podcast let's kind of get into this the discussion on twitter has been rampant um okay let's just get into it um on wednesday i released a report um quoted some people from around the team uh you know i had one person who's very close to the team tell me that carson wants is broken 
uh, he would know. He's very close to the the way the offense is is organized. And look, uh, there are people within the organization that are concerned that he favors the his uh, older, more proven weapons over his younger weapons. And really, at this point in the season, when you built your entire offseason around helping Carson through the draft, that's not really a great sign. Um, and frankly, it gives weight to the folks who wanted DeAndre Hopkins or Stephon Diggs, guys who are proven in the league. But then again, maybe he doesn't favor those guys either because he doesn't have the background and the history and the summers of, of work together. Uh, to put it bluntly, my source told me that he trusts his tight ends more than his wide receivers, which is not really beneficial at this point in, in, in the season, uh, especially with Zach Ertz on the mend. Um, I was also told that, you know, they've really dumbed down this offense to the point where they want him to make his first read. If that read is wide open, make it. I mean, like throw the ball, get the ball out. But the problem is defenses are keying in on this stuff. They've game planned and schemed for Travis Fulgham. And frankly, J- uh, um, Jalen Rager is, you know, not being utilized properly. Like, I think that's the biggest thing for me as an outside presence. Like, I just think Jalen Rager is being wasted here. This is a guy who can get the ball. I mean, get downfield. He can get yards after the catch. And you're still seeing stuff like Greg Ward getting a, a, a slot screen, uh, pass, you know what I mean? Um, you know, it, it's just, I, I don't, I really don't understand the logic of this offense for either Carson Wentz or Doug Peterson. Where are you at with all that? And what did you take from the report? Well, first off, I thought you did a great job, man. Seriously, that was a great – it gave a lot of great insight to that, those inner workings of what's going on at an offense. And and that's, it was very telling and it's very, very concerning. For me, it, took, it just sounds like he has no confidence. Uh, and I, No confidence, I mean in Wentz. Because if you have to feel like you have to go ahead and go to your – when you start seeing stuff like you have to go to your first route, and you have to you trust your tight ends for a tight. I know it's cliche, but it is so true, especially when it comes to throwing tight ends. They're the close, usually the closest routes to you, and they're your security blanket. You're your check down. You feel safer when you go there, and you take it. It's a little bit more risky when you go outside to your wide receivers, even on regular slam routes. And I just when when you hear stuff like that, I I mean, it just seems like his confidence is gone. And if it's that broken. I don't know how you can get it back unless you take some weird retreat away or stay away from get a, stay away from the game for a little bit and just try to recollect your thoughts and try to start up again. I think the other thing I thought that was really telling without the, that through that whole entire piece that you did, which once again was great, was that that was the most uh, when Peterson had to take over Press Taylor who was out. The fact that that was the most basically critical that somebody had been to him for the most part this entire season. I think that's very pretty telling in itself. I know everybody has their own coaching style and every player has their way of trying to go ahead and and try to be motivated. But if it hadn't been working, if he was if he was being told like, hey, you know what, let's go ahead and like and, and be pacifist when it comes to this and it wasn't working, you have to try a new approach at some point because it's not obviously he's not, he's not getting the message across and look where we're at. So it's it's definitely I, I it, he's He's getting and it may lead to another top the other top of world too, but he's lost. And if he if he doesn't do well this week, I mean, you might have to look forget his spark somewhere else. He may have to start looking at either 
Hurts or Sudfeld. I mean, I mean, do you think he's salvageable at all at this point? Well, don't get ahead of ourselves there. <laughs> That's a segment <laughs> for later. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, look, I've talked to players who've gone up against him in practice. They think he looks terrific in practice. I don't know where that Mike Silver report really came from, but everyone I've talked to has said that he looks sharp in practice and then in turn looks terrible in games. So that tells me a couple of things. One, it tells me that the way their game planning is too simplistic and predictable um, for intelligent defensive coordinators. They're seeing certain things on tape and they know that what's coming. Uh, it also tells me that the secondary is not very good um, that they're going up against because they're able to complete these passes in practice. Um, and then it also tells me that the offensive line is still giving him trouble no matter who's there. Like Carson just doesn't trust the offensive line is, is the read that I got from that. Now, I will tell you this, in talking to teammates, um, in talking to people around the team, there's a sense that due to the, how well he's playing in practice and, and his, his progression throughout the week, that it's not all on him. And it shouldn't all be on him. Um, you know, I think the game plan, the strategy, the coaching is not really working. Uh, I kind of lean in, in the mold of, yeah, Wentz is a disaster right now, but Doug is a disaster artist. You know what I mean? Like he's part of this, uh, disaster very much so. And he, you know, if, if, if Carson Wentz is Frankenstein, is Frankenstein's monster, then Doug Peterson is Frankenstein. Um, and so he is ultimately accountable for what's going on and the malfunctions that, that his quarterback is showing, you know? Um, and, and look, um, here's what I'll say. And in, in talking to people, this is just my feel. This has not been directly said to me, but my sense is, is that Doug Peterson has been a little bit more closed off to suggestion this year than in years past. Um, I've seen other writers kind of speculated that that was the gist I got from talking to people around the team is that, you know, he was very comfortable with Mike Rowe. He was very comfortable um, taking advice from him. He was part of that Super Bowl run, even though he was the wide receivers coach. And now you look at it, you've got a bunch of new voices, Scangarello, you've got Moorhead in there. You've got um, press Taylor with an enhanced role. And I just think like, it's just not working. And frankly, it doesn't seem like the offense has really changed for the better. So, or changed at all, really. It's become extremely predictable over the last two years. So that's kind of a hint there. I also think you brought up the Press Taylor um, issue. Here's the thing. So when Carson, that I don't think is brought up a lot. Carson Wentz, when he got here, in 2016, Press Taylor was an assistant quarterbacks coach. You know that an assistant quarterbacks coach is basically a liaison between the player and 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 the, and the head position coach, right? True, true, very true. So, so they're basically coworkers. Then he gets prom- then for two years he's basically in that role, and then Press gets promoted. Okay, and by then you've already got a relationship. Like, think about it this way: like if you're working even like in high school, if you were working at a movie theater and you and your buddy, you started off uh, behind the popcorn counter and then your buddy after like 
this summer job got uh, a promotion to the box office supervisor. It's tough to kind of adjust that relationship, right? I mean, you've already settled in. You're already comfortable. Uh, I know this sounds weird. Like, I'm really putting this at an elementary level. But, like, Press is 32, okay? Carson's 27. They are within the same generation. They're around the same age. Uh, You know, Press is a year older than Nick Foles, okay? So, like, to put that in perspective... These are two guys that have had a buddy-buddy relationship. Then a guy gets promoted, but you still have a guy with extra experience around, like a Nick Foles, like a Josh McCown, who can be the adult in the room. Remember, Press Taylor uh, has no professional NFL experience. Uh, He had never been a quarterback's coach before. That's the complete opposite of what Frank Reich and John DiFilippo brought. Um, And there are people around the the team that, you know, I've – heard from several different sources our former colleague matt lombardo recently reported that uh, a source told him that car that there's a thought that carson is better off with tougher guidance which is what john d and frank reich brought uh frank reich was an nfl quarterback for years he was a longtime offensive coordinator a longtime quarterbacks coach uh d Filippo was a former offensive coordinator and a longtime quarterbacks coach those that clout and, and that experience commands respect, especially from a rookie like Carson was coming in in 2016. Then by the time you transition, you've got a guy in Mike Rowe who is a, um, a, a dude that, that had never been an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Yeah, he was a wide receivers coach and a successful one, but he had never played in the NFL. And so it's hard to kind of rectify uh, those changes, like that's a big drop off in cloud. Um, and I think you're seeing kind of why Carson's maybe freelanced a little bit more, maybe been a little less open to suggestion. You hear him in press conferences say, I'm always going to be the same guy. Well, what does that say to your teammates and your coaches when you're struggling mightily? Uh, exactly. And, and not to, not to, and I apologize for interrupting, but I, when it goes back to Taylor, if you, Feel like you? I know it feels weird, but if you feel like you can't take that role and that responsibility role, why take the job? I mean, I don't think it's on press. I think it's it's a situation that's on Carson. Yeah, I I, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think a lot of us, especially press, can't go out there and go under center. I just mean when it comes to giving him that tough criticism. I, I mean, if he if he doesn't feel that comfortable, I know he's been buddy buddy with him. But if he doesn't feel that comfortable. Why not go back at? Why is he in that role? I mean, that's he, well, that's he the, has that's to be the, the bad guy. He has to be the bad guy in order for it to be possibly be successful, even if it means changing things up a little bit when it comes to the messaging. Well, and maybe that's why they hired Scangarello, right? Like, yeah. if you if you felt like uh, press and and Carson needed an adult, in the, look, this is the first time that Carson hasn't had that guy in the room. He had Chase Daniel. He had Carson. I mean, he had Nick Foles. He had Josh McCown. Uh, and you even went to lengths to have Josh McCown still have a voice in there until a couple of weeks ago when he signed with the, the Texans. Like, I think that that's a valid question. Like, why? Look, there's no secret that they've been trying to groom Press Taylor to be something bigger, to be a Sean McVay, a you know, an enhanced Doug Peterson's coaching tree. There's no question. But 
you know, it's still a projection, right? It's like you you project Davian Taylor to be this athletic, uh, gr- like impressive, go everywhere on the field linebacker, but he's not there yet, and you haven't seen it. So how are you putting your faith in the guy to to continuously be in that role? You know what I'm saying? Like, actually, yeah, I, I think um, that brings us to our next point. You know, Press Taylor has been a quarterbacks coach for for three years now. That is clout to a rookie coming in, right? Guess who's a rookie right now? Jalen Hurts. That's why you might see that Jalen Hurts might be more receptive to change, might be more receptive to proving himself. He's been a backup in in this game. He's been humbled both in college and in the NFL. Uh, He knows what it's like to face an adversity of not just injury, but of circumstance. And I think that that's appealing from the standpoint of where the Eagles are at in this season. So I think you and I both agree that benching Carson for this game would not be appropriate. Right. Right. Um, as a starter, as a starter, I'll put, I'll put this caveat as a starter. I wouldn't bench. Yeah. Yeah. I I see where you're going with there, but hold on. Run with me for a little bit. I'll say in the stable. I'll I'll say right here. I'll say in the stable right now. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's a tease for a little bit later, but um, I mean, like when we and I know I'm rambling a little bit, but I, I think it's something that I've been passionate about the more and more I've I've talked to people around the team. But like when you look at the dynamics of this team in the next six games, right now, following Washington's uh win over Dallas, they're projected to have the eighth overall pick. And look, there's a large part of the fan base, and rightfully so, that sees an untalented team, uh, an old team a team that's getting next year going to have to take a uh, take a punt on free agency that's not really going to be able to reload and compete that probably needs an ultimate teardown and whether you blame Howie Roseman for this these issues or you blame Doug Peterson for these issues or a combination of both there's a chance that one or both might not be here to make that pick um look this regime has been constantly criticized because They don't draft well and they haven't developed well. So I don't really understand. I mean, I understand the want for a top 10 pick, but I also don't know how you just immediately trust that those two entities are going to draft well all of a sudden. Now, if you look at Howie Roseman's top 15 picks in the past, you you look at Fletcher Cox, you look at Carson Wentz, you look at Lane Johnson, um, you look at guys like that, and those have worked out relatively well. But... I think it's kind of weird that a lot of, uh, you know, onlookers talk out of both sides of their mouth. They don't think how he can draft, but they want as many picks as possible. Uh, they don't think that Howie is the right guy. His philosophies make sense. He ignores the linebacker position. He's too focused on the D line. Uh, he doesn't focus too much enough on the secondary, um, you know, he doesn't focus enough on playmakers. He, Some people think he made the wrong pick between Jefferson and Rager. But go on, get a top eight pick. Um, the logic is there. I just think the arguments are very weird. Um, and I guess that's my little tangent on that. But um, Jalen Hurts putting him out there, uh, Doug Peterson said that that might lead to the wrong messaging um, because they don't want to claim that the season's over. 
But what does that say about Jalen Hurts? And in turn, what does that say about how they view Jalen Hurts and when he should be able to take on the quarterback position with Wentz struggling like he's the worst quarterback in the league? Well, I think, I think it's more of a thing that he's trying to just try and prop up Wentz more than he's doing Hurts right now. And, and when he meant that mention saying it was sending the wrong messaging, I think it actually was sending a reverse thing. I think I agree. it was in the reverse. It's going like, hey, you know what? We're not going to let anybody go ahead and just play poorly and not be accountable for it. We're going to actually go ahead and try to still spark because I, I'm from the school of, hey, you know what? Until you're mathematically eliminated or until you're completely eliminated from the playoffs, you have to go ahead and continue to try to win no matter what you do. And I think if they went in and like so-called and basically just tanked it and just put all the backups in there and just say, okay, let's see what we have right now. I think you're actually sending a, a pretty bad message when it comes to the young guys because it just shows, especially when they're impressionable, that impressionable early in their careers, you're starting to go ahead and put it like, hey, it's okay. Like basically, you're putting losing ways into their into their mentality, losing thoughts. Like, hey, you know what? When it looks bad or we're still in it, eh, we're just going to give up right now. So, I think when it comes to when it comes to what they're trying to do, the wrong message. It was in the it was in the other way. I think they need to go ahead and try to find different sparks to go ahead and try to rally around team. I think if they put Hurts in, whenever they put Hurts in, I think it actually the team would try to rally around him a little bit because it's like, hey, you know what? Wow, Carson got benched. It could be me next. Or, hey, you know, we got a rookie coming in. We need to go ahead and rally around him and make sure he's not killed, <laughs> for, for lack of a better word. So I'm all for I, – I just didn't, I didn't understand why he said it would be the wrong message. I know why he did it, but I just didn't agree. I put it that way, too. That's, that's where I'm at on that. Yeah, I thought it was ludicrous. Uh, frankly, I laughed when he said it. Um, and not to be disrespectful, but that's asinine. Okay, uh, a couple of things. Uh, Jalen Hurts, like I said, it plays against the defense in practice all the time. And you had Brandon Graham come out almost immediately after Peterson said something and said, look, we'll fall, do whatever the coach thinks is best. That's not really a strong endorsement of Carson Wentz as a quarterback. Now, he later said that they support him. That's cool and everything, but that's not what you said in the heat of the moment. Um, and, you know, just like in wine is the truth, being angry is the truth typically as well. Um, you say what you're thinking. Look, I've talked to play. I don't, the vibe I get is the team would not be opposed to a switch. Um, I think, you know, they see a quarterback who's struggling, not only physically, but mentally. And I think that they, you know, sometimes a reset can help. Like you remember what happened with Donovan McNabb when, uh, he was benched for Kevin Cobb. He came out and led the team to an NFC, t uh, excuse me, title appearance. Like, you know, Tua Tonga Vailoa just got benched <laughs> the other day and they were like undefeated at that point. So like, um, I'm for it. Look, they keep putting Hertz out there. And I think Hertz is put in a bad spot because he's put out cold and he's put out in, in a spot where everybody's eyes are on him and he gets one play. Like, I, I don't think that's a fair evaluation of, of a kid that they liked well enough to select in the second round. Uh, whether that was Howie Roseman's decision, whether it was Doug Peterson's decision, whether it was both, it had to be signed off by Jeffrey Lurie. And look, Jeffrey Lurie wants an innovative offense. Right now, this offense is not innovative, and he follows trends. Look, what's the most popular trend in the league right now? Got dual threat quarterbacks who can can not only pull it when there's nothing going on, but they can throw it downfield. And we've only seen two passes from Jalen Hurts. Part of that, I think, is out of hesitation. Uh, 
for a comp with Carson Wentz, but also I think it's just they want to take advantage of his mobility. And, you know, unless you're going to give him a series here or there, which I think they should start doing, um, I think eventually it's time. Look, if they lose to Seattle, Seattle's a big game, and we'll get into the preview later, but this is a big game for Carson Wentz. The Eagles have not defeated the Seahawks since 2008. Uh Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz are 0-4 against them over the last four years. This is like the Grim Reaper. And, you know, there's this constant rivalry with, one-sided rivalry with the Seahawks and the Saints. And the Eagles, for some reason, get up for prime time this year. Uh, They're football vampires. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to get us some merch. Like, some merch and football vampires is a shirt I'm trying to get done. Um, so, Hey, if you, if you guys subscribe or you're, or, or you're on YouTube, please let us know, would you guys want a football vampires t-shirt? I think it'd be great. Um, so then we could take it to our bosses and let them know that, Hey, merch should be on the way. Uh, I, I do believe NJ.com has a merch, uh, uh, page. So yeah, you can get with the weed and the beach towels. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, some fans are probably going to want to be smoking after this one. But anyway, uh, the this game's important because if you win this game, then you're set up to probably split this, like, gauntlet of really tough matchups against NFC contenders. And for the, the lot that still wants to win the division, listen... You heard it on the broadcast last night. Nobody has won back-to-back division titles since the Eagles did it in 2004. So, you know, regardless of how terrible the division is, that's a feather in your cap if you can repeat for Jeffrey Lurie. Jeffrey Lurie wants to make the playoffs. He does not want a tank job. Uh, Howie Roseman definitely doesn't want a tank. Doug Peterson definitely doesn't want a tank. So, um, for the folks that are like you that are old school and say, look, as long as you're in mathematics, uh, competition you should go for it I still don't think putting Hertz out there sends the wrong message and I honestly don't think you can do much worse than what Carson's doing right now he's leading the league in turnovers he's leading the league in interceptions he's leading the league in sacks taken um, frankly I would like to see a more run influenced offense and with Hertz you basically are forced to do that I think that helps the offensive line I think if you saw Isaac say Amalu blocking Last week, you could see that he was up for it. Jason Kelsey bounced back and had a great game because he was a pass blocking a million times. Uh, Lane Johnson's a guy who can block downfield. Jordan Melod has shown that he can run block. Um, you know, Matt Pryor does a better job of run blocking than he does of pass blocking. I think it just benefits the offense. And if you lose to Seattle, you can say, look, Seattle's got the worst pass defense in the league, like by a mile. And if Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson can't figure it out against them and look good against them, then I think you can turn to the team and say, look, this was our best shot at turning around the passing game and we still couldn't do it. We've got to try something different. And I agree with you about what he said about wrong messaging. It said it in turn sent the wrong message that we're, you're not going to hold anybody accountable. Jason Peters had a terrible game against the Browns and he's still the left tackle. And I just kind of feel like, Eventually, accountability needs to be taken. And if they get blown out by the Seahawks or the offense looks terrible, like on national TV, it's time. It's time. Do you agree? I 
I don't. I I agree. Something just tells me though he's not going to pull him on national TV. I think he'd wait till the Saints game because I think he's worried about embarrassing. When, even though even if he plays, he should be pulled. I'm worried about he's going to embarrass him in front of an, a nationally televised game, and he's not the quarterback in the second half. That's pretty much saying yeah. No, I'm I even a white flag with that. I'm a little worried with him pulling it then. Oh, I don't think they're going to pull him during this game. I'm saying the Packers game next week. Hertz is under center. See, I don't even I don't even know about that. I, I I still as much as I would like to say I don't even I don't think I really don't think they will. The I, 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 I no, I, I don't care about what they will. What I, do I still you wouldn't, me even me. I, I as much as a anti wince as I've been with these last few weeks, even with that, even with all that, I still think right now he still gives and is it's horrible. Say, I still think right now he based gives you on a shot. Ba- let me let me rephrase the question. All based right. on what does Carson Wentz give the Eagles a better shot at winning games than Jalen Hurts? I based on what? My knowledge of the offense, and that's the only thing I can go on right. Okay, now. okay, but the and second the second that he is pressured or uh, his first read is taken away, he is struggling mightily. So knowledge in that instance is not really working. Well, I'll counter with this: if you have somebody, even with basically Hurts is mobile. I think I put Hertz in Wentz on the same mobility as well too. So I agree with that. I agree on that with one too. So you put him back there, and you have him going around scrambling. It he doesn't even know where to, if he doesn't know what the third fourth option is. Not comfortable doing that. At least with Wentz, I know. Okay, that was the, the only thing that I would see. And I haven't had enough of Jalen Hurts to know this is can he protect the ball if he take gets a hit or he's a fumble or he's in a pocket. That's the only thing I can see being the upgrade as of right now. And so, that's without limit. That's very limited. So if I if he can't take a hit and he fumbles and turns the ball over just as much as wins, then you're really in a problem. And you may ruin the kid because he's a, he's a rookie. Although I still want to see him if he goes ahead. If if they're completely out of it, throw him in there, see what you got. That's way to do it. But the problem is right now. What, the problem is right now. I think Wentz is their best shot. At least what was this? If they're going to win the division, let me ask you this: What was this offense built around uh, when? Nick Foles was was the fill-in quarterback who led them to a Super Bowl, led them to back to the playoffs in 2018. Oh, the RPOs because they were able to establish the run and go ahead and run and use the uh, RPOs off of that. That's why I thought that was the best. Right, what they were established off of that. That's that's literally what Jalen Hurts is. He's an RPO quarterback. So I don't. I think defenses have started to figure out the RPOs a little bit more. And then I think if the Eagles, I think if the Eagles go ahead and sustain the run game and and live with it. They can, it opens up so much, so much more stuff. But well, the running game is thing. the running game is averaging five and a half yards per carry. Like, right. I mean, I, I don't know what, like, like at this point, what more can they do to show that they're established? They may have to go to a game where they go 30, 35 runs, uh, one of those ugly old, one of those ugly games, in order to go ahead and do that. I think that's, and then run play action or run a bootleg off. Of, God forbid, a bootleg. What, I forgot what those things look like in Philadelphia, but but I, I think. <laughs> but here's the thing: I think that Hertz forces you to do things, whereas Wentz doesn't really. Wentz, you're relying on his magic, like magic, and his ability and his dual, like his arm, more than you are his legs. I think with Hertz, he forces you to be creative. Carson Wentz doesn't force you to be creative. If anything, he he does the opposite. Um, and I mean, look, here's the thing. Let me put it to you this way. Doug Peterson, his seat is warm, unquestionably. Will he be 
pink slipped, no, uh, nobody knows, except for Jeffrey Lurie and probably Howie Roseman. But at the end of the season, Doug Peterson goes into his meeting with Jeffrey Lurie. And Lurie says, <clears throat> all right, cool. You finished four, uh, 11 and one. And Carson started 15 games. Howie Roseman, I'm Jeffrey Lurie. Howie Roseman, who I have a lot of respect for and who I think of as a, as a son, essentially, or a nephew, got you what was proactive and got you an insurance plan for Carson Wentz, a high-priced premium insurance plan. Uh, he got you a rental car that could be leased if you like it uh, in case your current car turns into a lemon or you get into a bad accident. And frankly, this season's been a bad accident for the <laughs> offense. And you didn't go to him. And I was waiting for you to go to him. And, you know, as an owner, yes, I'm hands-on, but I don't want to tell you how to run your offense. I'm, that's not my expertise. I'm not going to tell you who's going to be in the lineup. That's on you. That's why I hired you. But you never went to him. And we entered the the offseason with a top six pick where we could potentially be in position to grab a quarterback. And we know nothing about the guy we selected in the second round who we proactively got because we saw there being a potential chance that Carson could regress. And you sat there and you waited and you, you told the media that it would send the wrong message. And we wasted development time here when the season was eroding. Why should I keep you? Can I answer as Peterson? Sure. And I know what you're going to say. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you. I would have liked, I would say, why did you put, go ahead and draft a quarterback in the second round in the first place to get me that insurance policy instead of get me another veteran quarterback to go ahead and back it up. And then you took away, as you said, and then you took away my ability to go ahead and be the leader and pick my own guys to get the offense that I think could be best to get the most out of Carson. And then after you did that, you still go ahead and you, and I feel like I have to use Hertz because now you have a high draft pick. And if I don't use him, he's does, and you basically got the kid when you could have gotten the cornerback or another offensive lineman or defensive lineman. And then I'm supposed to work at that. Now I have to worry about my quarterback has to worry, look over his shoulder a little bit because you drafted this guy in a high round. And then on top of that, you gave my quarterback last year a big extension. So he thought he was the guy. And I got to work with that. <laughs> okay. Okay, okay, Mr. Okay, Mr. QB guru. Okay, Mr. <laughs> offensive play caller. Well, let me put it this way. You're supposed to be this innovative guy. This is why we're keeping you around. This is why we believe in you. Uh, your quarterbacks regress to the point where, frankly, it's unacceptable. And he doesn't seem to be turning things around. And then on top of that, your offense is stagnant. You don't know how to run the ball. You don't or you don't know when to run the ball. Um, your wide receivers aren't getting open. Based on scheme. We drafted a first-round pick. You guys wanted this guy. You wanted speed. You told Howie you wanted speed. So we drafted three guys with speed. You proceeded to, you know, bench John Hightower. You couldn't get anything out of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And, frankly, you're using Jalen Rager, as most people projected Justin Jefferson to be used 
which makes absolutely no sense because that's not to his strengths. And so I think that's really the dilemma here. And that's why it's not all on Carson. Yes, you can blame Howie for not going for DeAndre Hopkins when he knew that he had he was 70 million in the hole and Hopkins wanted an earth shattering contract extension, which in turn wouldn't have allowed you to extend other notable players on the roster. Uh, same with Stefan Diggs, got a new contract. Um, you know, I, I do think there's validity to the draft pick stuff. Could they have drafted Justin Jefferson? Listen, he was my favorite player, offensive player in the draft this past year. Like, I, I, I'm on board with you. But I still think Jalen Rager is going to be a very good player. I just don't think they're utilizing him properly. Having him run this crappy pre-snap motion that doesn't fool anyone um and then having him run like short routes this guy's a yak receiver he's a he's a slant runner he can run out of the slot you can rush him downfield you can run you can run him down the seam like he can do a lot of dynamic things that's why they drafted him and it's just they're not using him and look i I wasn't in favor of using jalen hurts as a come on the field for two snaps and, and do something weird sort of thing but the reality of the situation is you have done that and the results have been mixed. Uh, I'd like to see him on a drive, frankly. And I just think like when you look at the dynamic of how they've de- look next year, I really can't stress this enough. Next year, they are punting on free agency. This is going to be all about a rebuild. And you don't know what you have in this backup quarterback. It would have been fine if Carson Wentz was balling out and then you had a ch- the reason why they part of the reason why they drafted Jalen Hurts is they didn't want to continue to spend money on veteran quarterbacks. It just isn't logical when you're already playing your quarterback, you know, um, <clears throat> over twenty million dollars a year, over twenty five million dollars a year, over thirty million. You know, what I mean, it's like it just doesn't make sense. The position's already been paid for. That's why you have Jalen Hurts. He's a high end prospect to back up Carson Wentz, and I think. When you look at how this thing is going, um, you know, Carson needs to be able to deliver on that. And if he can't, it's time to play the kid. So uh, let me get you a final word on that before we go into our preview. Yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying. And and it's I think it was just all bungled before the season started, because even when they couldn't, even if if they really wanted to go ahead and get a quarterback, just go ahead and get a use a fifth or sixth round. Well, see, that's the that's the thing. That's the thing. They did not. It, they loved James Morgan out of FIU. I cannot stress that enough. Loved him. They didn't want another Clayton Thorson situation. They didn't. They didn't want. But here's the thing: if you want a premium backup, you have Carson Wentz, who has a history of injuries, who you know has the potential to regress. Obviously, you didn't think he was going to regress to this point. You you either do this right or you draft another Nate Sudfeld, Clayton Thorson. That's they've, yeah, that's, they've that's tried. That's yeah, they've tried to give Nate Sudfeld every opportunity to be the backup here. He has lasted one full game as the anointed backup without injury, without whatever. One game. He was demoted week two. Okay? They just, they felt like they, look, I still don't like the pick. I don't. I don't like the Hertz pick at all. But their logic is sound there. You can't keep investing in BS prospects. Once you get to that six, not 
Gardner Minshew is a one out of every four drafts sort of sixth round pick. Okay. And that's what their logic was. So for that, I commend them in not half-assing the, the backup position when they know that it's something that they value more than maybe any other team in the league, that backup quarterback spot. Yeah, it, it really does. They really need to, but like you said, given that they're not going to go ahead and pay, I would, I wouldn't mind having a. I don't think Sutfeld's going to start starting no matter what. So I think it would be okay to go ahead and just. He probably would be available for you. Just have him continue backup. I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with him if he's in there for two, three games. All right, cool. If he's if he has to be there for 14, 15 games, then you're already you're in trouble to begin with because your quarterback's gone and that one too. I just I just would have had it. I wouldn't. I would just would have taken somebody in probably the fifth round see what you got developing a little bit. And if he wound up saying, hey, Wentz is still here for three or four years, you go ahead and ship him off for another, like a, a third or a third or a second if he winds up being worth it. So, yeah. Well, as you say that, um, John Clark is reporting that, uh, of NBC, is reporting that apparently Jordan Melotta will start at left tackle for the Eagles on – against the Seahawks and Jason Peters is going to move to right guard. <laughs> this is a, this year is just, <laughs> but just when you think you have, get used to it, everything changes. Yeah. Are you kidding? Like it's, what? <laughs> it's everything you think you have it figured out and whoop, something new pops up with this team. So, so here, I mean, we're left to speculate Did Jason Peters get, get basically, embarrassed to the point where he's going to move to right guard now, or did Doug Peterson put his foot down or did Howie Roseman say, look, we have to see what we have in this left tackle. Again, if you're going to have a top six pick and you have a shot at a potential franchise left tackle, you have to see what you have. Like that's just facts. That is what it is. And this is the right move. What, no matter what happened behind the scenes. Absolutely the right move. Absolutely 1000% the right move. I know, Chris, you wanted him at left tackle. <laughs> this is, if you watched the Browns game, like I, I they do. watched it, that man was trucked out of his legend status for a, for a couple of seconds, a you couple didn't, of times. He didn't let me finish. I said, I'm actually okay with this. Oh, I'm actually okay I'm, with I'm, Olivier Vernon, after Olivier Vernon basically owned him. I'm actually okay with this because it seems like he go. They went ahead and it gets it to me. It gets your five best linemen out there. So, yeah, I'm okay with it because they worked. They, my lotta wasn't going to be able to be moved as a guard, and because I'll say this, I really was pushing for Peters to be that left out, especially after he didn't know uh, my lotta struggled in camp. I was cool, a left tackle. I was cool, definitely cool with it. Now you see this way puts your five best players. And I wonder if Peterson really is on a hot seat. He's just saying, if I'm going to go out, I'm just going to go out on my terms and have my guys do the things that they think is going to be best for this team. I really, I wonder that too. So yeah, I'm a, I, I, I've got no, I got no qualms with this move. Olivier Vernon owned that offensive line and that, and that get that it basically is a couple dominoes down the way. You would get Matt Pryor's out the lineup. So you strengthen the middle of your offensive line and then you go ahead and you got my lot of tackle. I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm completely cool with that. If Lane Johnson, when I, I have no, and this is one speculation, he was on the injury report again with an ankle. So as long as he's, he didn't participate, it was an estimated injury report yesterday, but as long as he's out there and he's all right, I'm cool with this five. 
All right. Well, um, well, this podcast has already gone really long. Let's let's quickly preview the Seahawks uh, for the next couple of minutes. Um, one, like I said earlier in the podcast, you know, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought uh, with with the Peters news. This is the worst passing defense in the NFL. Like worst, 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 worst. Giving up like 350 yards a game. If Carson and Doug can't figure this out, I don't really know what they can do. Um, I'm expecting similar stat lines for Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson in this game. Uh, Russell's dealing with his own turnover issues. He's already got 10 on the season in 10 games. His career high interceptions is 11. Um, he could do that. He's averaging a, a, an interception a game. So realistically, he could hit 11 in this game. Um you know, part of that is they're having him pass a lot more. Uh, they used to be a very run focused team, but with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett killing it, killing it, uh, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna toss the rock a little bit more. He's also had some mistakes with fumbles. He's now a lot more sackable. Uh, I think this defensive line is going to play pretty well. I expect linebacker Alex Singleton to spy on Russell Wilson. Um, I think Jalen Mills will be blitzed quite a bit. Uh, what are your general takeaways going into this game? I think the Seattle offensive line is really banged up as well, too. So I think, the defense, like you mentioned, the defensive line is going to go really well. The thing that really concerns me is that you have – if you put Slay on on DK Metcalf, you have Avanti Maddox, who's been struggling as a league, going against Tyler Lockett, and I'm not feeling confident about that matchup whatsoever. Yeah, that's, that's the big one. Like that. Yeah. That's like the the general uh if I had one concern in this game outside of Carson Wentz, it would be the fact that Avante Maddox versus Tyler Lockett. Look, either way, let's say they matched up Slay on Tyler Lockett, then you've got a massive size disadvantage with Metcalf. Either way, Maddox is not in a very good position to succeed. Um I still don't understand the logic there. Maybe they start Michael Chiquette. Maybe we're surprised in Avante Maddox is the nickel with Craven LeBlanc out and Nikel Roby Coleman kind of moving around. Um, I think that would be the right move. I look, I know it's a lot to ask of an undrafted rookie, but he kind of held his own uh against Dallas against Amari Cooper. So um I think that's something that we really need to focus on. This should be a run-oriented game early on for the Eagles, in my opinion. Keep Russell Wilson off the field. He's got this ability to just make guys miss and, and perform some magic out there. Something Carson Wentz has just not really been able to do as much this year. Uh, look, this defense has struggled against running quarterbacks and it's going to be a problem until it isn't. And I think keeping Russell Wilson off the field is the right strategy here. Miles Sanders has played well. I know Boston Scott's on the injury report. They brought back Jordan Howard and protected him on the practice squad. He's wearing number 41, by the way. Uh, I think we could see him elevated this week would be a smart move against this defensive front where I think if you can sell play fakes with a pounding runner, you might get some extra time on the back end. Um, what do you got for the score in this one? I think the, it's going to be a straight, I think it's going to be a straight, another loss. It's really going to be, I think it's going to be close again. I think I had like 23 to 17 or something like that, but I think Seattle wins this game. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think Seattle's going to win this one. I've got it 26-20. I actually think Carson Wentz has an okay game, um, which will make the chaos even more, uh, 
you know, interesting on social media and, and obviously our post game show, which we'll have on Tuesday. Um, yeah, I, I look, I, I don't have a good feel, a good vibe for this game, but you've got to go with history and Seattle's just own them. Uh, Pete Carroll's out coach Pete, Doug Peterson, every single game they've played, what Russell Wilson is out dueled Carson once in every game they've played. The only difference now is the Seahawks defense is doo doo. And, uh, you know, if you can if you can have some moments, look, I think this is the game to unleash Jalen Rager. It is. Uh, you, you've got to send him downfield, especially now that you know that Jason Peters can play right guard and Jordan Mailata is going to give you time at left tackle. Hopefully, uh, it's time. Look, this will be the the tenth different iteration of the offensive line in eleven games, uh, but eventually you just have to kind of play, you know, with what you got and. I, I think Dallas Goddard will lead them in receptions, targets, and 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 receiving yards. But I do think this is the, they're making a mistake if Jalen Rager isn't the prime suspect in the in the passing game. So with that said, uh, you can sign up for Eagles Extra on nj.com/text. Uh, make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever podcasts are available. Let us know what you think about the football vampire T-shirt. I, I'm really I really want to get that done. Uh, if you think it's a terrible idea and I just make really bad dad jokes, you can comment below and just tell us how terrible we are, but give us five stars anyway. Uh, for Chris, I'm Mike. This has been the no huddle show podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll talk to you after the game on Tuesday. Tuesday.